Hello and welcome everyone to Making Leader Moves season three. As you have heard throughout the other episodes, this is a very, very special season for me, season three, because we are talking about um, either chronic illnesses, disorders, or disabilities that women of color live with on their daily lives and how they navigate their journey of life with their either new found conditions, um, conditions that they've had over a while, um, over time, etc. And today's episode is very, very, very important to me because I will be talking with our guest Gabby today and her and I have the uh, same condition. It's called PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And we will get into the nitty gritty bolts of that. But before we actually do that, I want to go ahead and put a huge disclaimer onto this, um, onto this episode. Neither our guest Gabby nor myself are medical professionals. We are having a conversation on how we personally manage, again, whether that's our disorders, chronic conditions, and or disabilities. Please seek medical and professional help if you do not feel well or if you feel you might have a medical condition that has to be diagnosed. Um, So on today's episode, again, we are going to touch upon a very near and dear topic to me personally, PMDD, also known as premenstrual dysphoric disorder, um, with Gabby Von Horn. Even though Gabby is not Latina, she grew up speaking Spanish. Wait, what? Como? How does that happen? Um, let me explain. Her papi, um, and how do we say his name, Gabby? Jean Van Horn, or if Jean. you're Latino, a lot of Latinos call him Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, so just to let you know, folks, it's spelled G-E-A-N. So the Spanish pronunciation definitely makes sense to me. Um, He is also super active on LinkedIn and did volunteer work in the Central American community in Washington, D.C. in the 90s and early 2000s. That's why she is African-American, but speaks English with a Latina accent. She has always been a bilingual, clever hybrid. The multi-talented part of being a hybrid didn't come until later when she moved to Germany in 2019 to get married. She was in sales before she moved to Germany, but she couldn't speak enough German to do Uh, that when she first arrived, so she became an English teacher. She didn't want to make boring videos about verbs and tenses for her marketing. Um, And who does, right? Like who wants to listen to those verbs? We've, we've, I mean, I definitely went through a Spanish class and talk about, yes, being boring when it comes to that. So I applaud you, Gabby, for being more creative. And since her first episode in June, 2020, she has done all the editing and promo to help bilingual people learn They're worthy by hearing stories from their peers who are thriving all over the world. And her podcast is one of the top 25 bilingual podcasts in the world, according to Feedspot.com. So without further ado, Gabby, I am so, so happy and excited to have you here. Welcome to Making Leader Moves. Welcome to season three and welcome for a very, very important episode which is speaking upon our experiences and our journeys with PMDD. Um, if you want, please feel free to let us know, you know, how your journey began. When did you realize there was something different um, with your menstrual cycle, AKA also known as your period, compared to all the other young women that were part of your life at that time? When did you realize, yeah. oh, this isn't just regular pain, but this is excruciating and this is more severe. And so let me, let me start figuring out what's quote unquote wrong with me. Yeah. I think I really noticed that something was wrong when I was a teenager, I think around Mm -hmm. 14 or 15, Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what it was, but I would even miss a few days of school each month because of my period. Or even when I took regular ibuprofen, it didn't help at all. Like it would take 500, milligrams and I'm like I'm still in pain I can't sit up what is this uh so the real turning point was after I got married then I got pregnant and unfortunately I miscarried I'm like you know what I'm supposedly healthy and at a decent weight something is off here I went to a few doctors they're like oh just try again you're young just try again I'm like that that's not a explanation that I'm willing to accept at this point. At this point, someone has died because I don't know what's wrong with me. 
Right. So I had to do a lot of research on my own, find some different books from specialists. That's one thing that I really wish specialists would put more time into personal branding because you have to dig through a whole bunch of junk to find the genuine article. It took me like about mm. six or seven months to even start to figure out what was wrong with me. And then like another six or seven months after that to get detailed information about what to do. So it's, it's been a journey, but I finally have a doctor that the first time I went to see him, I said, I have PCOS and PMDD. And he's like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Are you dealing with this, this, and this? And I was like, you know what that is? I don't have to explain. He's like, yeah, I, I do research on that and blah, blah, blah. So I've, I almost cried because I was like, yeah. I don't have to explain this situation. I feel so much more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the fact that you were able to find a physician right away to be like, oh, yeah, I know what these are. I've, I've studied these conditions or I do, you know, research on, on my own time or during, you know, the time that they need to is great because I've actually walked into pharmacies asking for different types of medication that I can take for PMDD. And I've had pharmacists at the CVSs, at the target clinics, at, like be like, what is PMDD? What, I don't even know what that is. And I'm talking about male pharmacists as well as female pharmacists. So it's something that's still not really spoken about. I believe I was reading one time that I, that there are probably 84% of um, human beings that have periods that don't even know that they have PMDD. And I, I really, truly believe my mom was one of those people um, because when I finally started opening up with her about, you know, my experience and my diagnosis, everything, her symptoms sounded very, very similar to mine, but it's something that we'll never know, right, um, with her. But before we get into it, I just wanted to give folks who are listening the very generic Google term terminology for PMDD. So premenstrual dysphoric disorder is a much more severe form of PMS, which as we already know, that's false. Like PMS is very, very different than PMDD. Um, and what it does, it, it basically uh, is a... It's, it's a, it happens between seven to 14 days prior to you getting your period and your levels of either estrogen or serotonin are being depleted and you're not be, it's not, you're not producing enough. So your anxiety episodes become a lot more severe. Your depression episodes become more severe. And I believe when I was reading, I'm trying to think of where I had read this before, but it was saying that 30, between 34 and 30 percent. 37% of human beings that have PMDD not only have suicidal ideation, but they actually have, they, they go through a suicidal attempt because that is how much you are not producing in your brain. And so, you know, it's the, it's the brain fog, it's the emptiness, it's the not feeling joy um, during that time. And then obviously you, you know, your, um, your cramps are, are a lot much, are a lot more severe than others. And then just depending on the type, not on the type of PMDD, but I've noticed even within my menstrual period, it'll be more severe during certain times than at other times. Um, have you gotten that as well, Gabby? Yeah. So when I first got diagnosed with it, there are actually five recognized types of PMDD, according oh, to a book great. that I read. Mm -hmm. um, so I had the worst type when I first got diagnosed. So that leaves you feeling kind of blah 20 days out of the month. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine you have like a week and a half where you feel fine. And the other days you're like, what is the point of life? Like to the point of where you're just like, yeah, no puedo. It's like at that level. Yeah. Um, so now I'm down to the least severe version, which is maybe two or three days before the period. And then I have oh, a little wow. bit of, of like sad feeling. But it's really strange. As soon as you start bleeding, because there's a hormone switch when you start bleeding for your period, then you start to feel much better. Mm -hmm. So it's the hormones are affected by everything you do, by your exercise level, what you eat, the stress that you are exposed to. So you have to be very careful with how you manage your life. Yeah. Um, so you had managed or you had mentioned that, you know, you did your own research and you did, you know, your own homework to finally realize like, oh, I think I have this. You went to your physician and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course you have PCOS and PMDD. Let's let's start, you know, a, a plan for you on on how to 
alleviate the symptoms. I won't say get rid of them because, you know, once you have PMDD, you're, you're just, you have it until, until menopause comes. And that's what I was told by my PCP. Um, mm -hmm. I still haven't seen a specialist for PMDD because I've been able to manage it very well. But as you were saying, like when you were a teenager, I as well knew that there was something different um, from me. I went to an all-girl Catholic school and I just remember they were just like, oh yeah, you know, just like two or three days before. And I remember being like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. I remember one time I actually had to get, I had to get escorted out of a classroom with a wheelchair because of how oh. severe the pain was. Man. My experience, however, was um, I got checked to see if I had had cysts in my ovaries. Um, that experience alone was very traumatic. I walked in there, you know, I had my like uh, track sweater on. So just very high school me, right? Like hair in a bun, messy bun, walking in with my, with my grandmother, with my mother um, to have to get an, ultra, an ultrasound because that's what they were going to check for me. And just getting those looks and those stares by the women and most most likely thinking because of those stares, I could tell like, oh, here's just another pregnant teenager, um, like fucking up her life. Right. Not knowing that there's so much more for you having to go see a doctor getting an ultrasound. It's not just for you when when you're becoming when you do become a mother and like doing the baby checkup. Anyway, during that experience, we found out that I did have cysts um, inside of my ovaries. But I remember just telling them ever since I was 15, like, this isn't normal. This doesn't feel right. And the first thing that I always got told was, um, and then he even like when I started being very vocal of like, I don't, I feel sad, but it's an empty sad. Um, there's a lot for me to be grateful I have a great family. I have great friends. Like the struggle isn't too real in my life and always just being told, okay, just take birth control. Just take birth control. Um, that was always the easy quick fix. And I felt like I was never being listened to. I'm 35 now. It took 20 years for me to finally get diagnosed. And the only reason why I got diagnosed was because I spoke to my therapist, right? You develop this relationship with your therapist. And I'm starting to tell her, you know, about, yes, like I had had some trauma in my life, but I'm starting to tell her how I'm feeling empty and, and, and I know I should be grateful for things. And right. I'm doing all the grateful meditations and I still don't feel, I still don't feel like me, like, you know, you better than anyone knows you. And I'm like, I just know that there's some type of emptiness inside. And she's the one who actually decided to be like, oh, you, I think you have this. You need to go to your PCP and talk to them about this. Um, and so I just wanted to know if whether you've had had this, these experiences, whether it's, you know, in Germany or while you were back here in the States, it's that whole not being hurt, right? There there's no reason why I should have waited 20, 20 years to finally be, be diagnosed with this. If I would have known, you know, when I was 15, 17, 19, I could have been managing this again, for 20 years of my life, I'm barely learning how to manage this now. And I feel that the reason why I was never heard was, one, we know Big Pharma is a huge thing here, right? So again, let's do the quick fixes. Let's get her on birth control. Oh, you feel emptiness? Let's put you on an antidepressant. Um, but I feel like I wasn't being heard. And it didn't matter whether I had female gynecologists, male gynecologists, whether they were white or a doctor of color. I just always felt that I was brushed and not listened to and, and put to the side. And clearly I was because again, 20 years to be diagnosed is insane to me. And so I just really, really want to let our listeners know one, you're not alone when you feel like this or you experience this, but two, it's the resiliency that you have for yourself. You talked about how you started doing your research and you started becoming knowledgeable, right? It was the resistance of not giving up on yourself. Like you did not take the, oh, you're young. You still have time. That wasn't a good enough answer for you. And same thing for me, like take the, take the SSRI, get on an antidepressant, get on the birth control. You'll be fine. Like, no, not good enough. Um, I just want to hear your experiences on that. Yeah. Um, I guess both of my grandparents were PCPs. They've mm -hmm. both passed away now, but 
the way that medicine was done when they were practicing is very different to the way it's done now. Like they would take time with their patients. They would ask a lot of questions. If one test didn't find anything, but the person is still in pain, they would do a different test. They're not like, oh, okay, well, this oh, unheard we'll come of. Back yeah. and check. They will <laughs> check something else. Be like, okay, that wasn't it. Let's try something else. But now the doctors are like, okay, if we try all of the generic stuff and you're still not feeling fine, try this pill to cover the symptoms. They're not really worried about the root cause. So that was the main thing for me. Um, yeah, when it took me until 25. So you were 20 years, I was 10 years. And that's only because I had to have the little person inside of me die to figure uh-huh. out what's going on. And and what people don't really think about is when you have a chronic illness, pretending you're fine takes a lot of energy. Oh gosh, yes. And And after you've had a miscarriage and had the DNC to clean everything out, you don't have energy for any of that people pleasing anymore or like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But you can barely sit up for like weeks, for a few weeks, maybe like two or three weeks. So you're like, you know what? I never want to have to go through this again because sometimes people go through multiple miscarriages before they figure out what's going on. Like, I never want to have to go through this again. I, the only thing that I have energy to do is Google. So let me Google a whole bunch of stuff. Let me find some books mm-hmm. on Amazon, get some eBooks, start reading about this, see which one makes sense and just start tapping on doors to see which one opens. Cause it's, it's at a certain point, it's either like, you know what, this is either going to kill me or I'm going to stop living one of the two things. And that's very true. Um, and, 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 I, and I agree with you there. And so, you know, you're, you're, go, you're going through all of this, you know, how and, and we speak a lot on community and how community one not only helps support you, but they get you through those rough patches or those rough times in life where you don't think you're going to make it. Um, and, you know, you losing a child, how how did you come through the other side with that? Because that is, um, that's grief, that's grief, that's loss and that's grief, you know, and those are very impactful and your body still doing this, you know, like you were saying, like it's a chronic illness. So every month you're going through this wave. And again, it's the wave of not being hormonally balanced, um, and being emotionally unstable. And then you're, and then the emotions being heightened after this loss and grief. Yeah, I think the the thing you realize is, um, as I said before, when you don't have any more energy for the people pleasing, then you lose a lot of people. Mm. But the ones that stay are worth their weight in gold, honestly. They're the ones that are like, okay, I don't really understand what's going on, but please explain it to me. Please explain what you need. And we got you. Those are the people that you want to keep. It might be a, a smaller group than you had before. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if yeah, it's like a difference between the comunidad in general and your yeah. familia. There's like a difference between those two groups. And familia doesn't have to be people related to you. It's just people that got you. They got you like this. Um, so it it was very surprising. I didn't have a lot of support from my, um, I guess, my aunts and stuff. They're like, oh, just stick out. It's fine. You'll be okay. Uh, but I had a lot of support from my father, from my husband, from a few other friends that they were like, yeah, I can tell during these particular weeks, you're not feeling okay. Mm-hmm. And you you don't have to fake through it with me. You can, if you want to cry and have me just hold you while you cry, we can do that. So yeah. you need a friend that you feel comfortable just tell them everything that's in your brain and also crying, like ugly cry in front oh. of them. You need at least a few friends like that. <laughs> I can't agree with you more. I actually got off the phone with a friend two days ago and had the ugly cry. And I think for like the fast, like the last three minutes, I was just like, I just love you so much for being a great friend. And I didn't act like, right. She didn't give her input. She didn't give her critique. She didn't try to solve the issues that I was crying with her for. It was just the crying uncontrollably, the ugly cries. Um, and then be like, okay, great. Like that was, that was fun. Um, let me go hydrate. Let me grab my bottle of water and let's come back too. 
Um, and I guess, and I guess that's kind of like the, the amazing thing with community, right. And, and creating your own tribe, you're able to create your own support system. And so, especially with families of color, I feel that you, we always think that it's going to be our family, right. Cause that's the nucleus. That's what we were born with. Um, and that's what we were given, but sometimes your family members aren't going to be your community and they're not going to be as supportive as you need them to be in the moment. Um, so you told us they weren't being supportive or they weren't as supportive as, as what you would have liked. What was the reaction when you had told them um, about the loss? And then also like, I have this condition. I've lived with it my whole life. I'm just discovering it now. Well, the first thing I realized is not everybody deserves like a full blown explanation because mm -hmm. some people are just like, I don't feel like opening that can of worms. Okay. But uh, for some people, when you tell them they're, you can tell from their reaction whether you should go further or not. Some people are like, okay, I don't really understand what that is. Could you explain how it's affecting you? Or, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I have some of that. Could you tell me some of the stuff you're doing? Other people are like, uh, no, I think you're just making that up. That's not, it can't be that difficult. Come on. I mean, like other people have it so badly that they can't even get up and you're talking about, oh, I don't feel good. My tummy hurts, blah, blah, blah. Can't be mm -hmm. that bad. So it, when you start explaining yourself, um, then you can see if you need to go further. I think that's something that maybe as people of color happens sometimes, especially as women and with other women, especially sometimes we overshare at the beginning of a relationship. Mm -hmm but you have to just start little by little. You don't want to be like, I don't trust you, but you have to just right. little by little see what that other person can handle. Plus, not everybody is a psychiatrist, so you don't need to completely unload on your friend all the time. You you also need to take care of your mental health, see a psychiatrist or a psychologist also. I think that's a really, really great point, which in my experience, I... I actually told my father first be told, before I told my mom. And you would think, right, with having periods or a taboo Latino culture, like, are we even talking about that? Me and my dad are very, very close. Um, we're, you know, at times we're definitely closer than than I am with my mom. And 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 I and I told him first because I knew that even though he didn't understand it and probably wouldn't understand it the first few times that I would explain it to him, I knew that through the tears, he would be there for me. Right. Um, and he'd be like, and so now there's, there's like even a bigger understanding. Right. So when I am grumpy or when I am irritated or when I just am a loss of for words, like he knows that it has nothing to do with him or that it's, you know, not me, it's just my body. When I told my mom, she was cooking and, and, and I waited to tell my mom because I was like, for my, as you were talking about, like, protect your peace. Um, I knew mentally it was going to, it was going to be a, a little more, um, I, I knew it was going to be more than my dad. I just wasn't sure how, how more quote unquote, what did that mean of more? And so when I finally was like, okay, after a few weeks had passed, I was like, okay, and tell my mom, I'm going to tell her, you know, what the doctor with the PCP had told me. And, and, you know, maybe like these are the steps that I can take to, to help my journey to alleviate, you know, the symptoms that I do get. She was cooking, didn't bother looking up, didn't bother stopping and said something along the lines of like, oh, can you pass me such and such item? Like I need to throw it in the pot. And I wasn't even surprised. Like that was the crazy part is that I wasn't even surprised. Was I hurt? Absolutely. Um, but it was like, it was a very pivotal moment for my life, you know? And like, I thought that I would have gotten more understanding, more support, um, some maybe the word that I'm looking for is acknowledgement. And I didn't get that. I didn't get the acknowledgement. I got the, okay, yeah, that's nice let's continue, like, let's continue cooking. And then 
when I started up the conversation again, it was like, well, you know, when I was younger, this, and I, when I was younger, that almost, and, and I don't know if she knew that she was even doing this, but it, I felt almost like you could tough it out. Right. Like I, I also used to faint when I was in school. I also used to have my mom have to call me out. Like, I was like, yeah, mom, but didn't you like, just because you called me out of school and you got called out of school, like that doesn't make it normal. Um, that should have been your first sign or like, yeah, I remember like, like, you know, she was telling me like, yeah, I remember locking myself in my room and then just like uncontrollably crying and just feeling a very, very big empty space. And I'm like, that didn't like, that didn't alarm you. Like that didn't scare you. And she's like, no, no, you just, you push through, you push through. And that's where the lack of empathy came, right? The lack of understanding, the lack of acknowledgement. And that's why I say I'm pretty, I'm 99.9% sure she had it. Um, she just wasn't diagnosed with it. And because she's right, she's, she's an immigrant. I'm first born, I'm first generation here. It was seen of like, oh, this is just another tough situation that you're going to have to deal with in life because you, one, you're a woman. And on top of that, you're a woman of color. So palante, right? Like move forward. And so it's very hard and heartbreaking when you when you tried so hard to protect your peace and you were like, OK, I think I'm mentally stable to let others know. Um, and you go in and, and no matter, and, and on top of that, right. It being my mom, like just not being acknowledged the way that I would have liked to be acknowledged. Um, good thing, you know, I did, I did have my dad there. I had my therapist and I have my few friends that I was able to go into major detail and them ask me how they can come and support. But yeah, sometimes it's just very heartbreaking when you don't, when you don't get the acknowledgement and the response that, that you want. Yeah, I think also for me, it was a bit of a wake up call about how much I was depending on those people for how I would Ooh. feel. I um, like that. So it's it's something I've been doing a lot of research also on CBT, which is cognitive behavioral behavior therapy. And there's a lot of things that we have to unlearn, especially as daughters in a, in, in a POC family we have a lot of responsibility and we also often look to our mothers for validation. Mm -hmm. um, so it's when you have a situation like this, you start to realize, okay, am I, have I been doing things just to make my parents happy on a certain level stuff that I didn't even really like to do? Mm. Or uh, you realize when they tell you, yeah, just chin up, keep on going. It'll be fine. There's this, some positivity, some encouragement is good, but there's a certain point when it becomes toxic, like you haven't even listened to what I just said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't know, sometimes when you're talking to other women in your family, especially if it's a situation or an illness that is hereditary, sometimes they get defensive and their response mm -hmm. of, they don't yell at you, but their response is to be like, well, at least, gracias a Dios, adios, blah, 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 we're yeah. fine now. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, yes, you can be thankful that you're you're feeling a little bit better. But I just told you that sometimes I feel like I don't want to live anymore because my hormones are messed up. And I think that you also had that problem. And that's why we had issues when I was growing up where there were weeks where you didn't even really want to talk to me. Are we not going to address that? And it's like, no, it's fine. And you're like, it's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just when you have a situation, and I'm sure uh, for us, we're dealing with it now, but I'm sure people who live in a, like a, Italian families or German or Greek families, they just had it one generation before us, where now it's normal for them because the their grandparents were the first gen people and they had to deal with, I don't feel good. We're the first gen that's like, actually dealing with going to the doctor every year like we're supposed to go mm -hmm. and actually mm -hmm. going to get mental health mm -hmm. checkups so yeah. we're we're finding a lot of things that was just kind of hidden under all of that baggage <laughs> yeah yeah and like get, and getting educated on on being okay to not be okay and getting the support and help that you need right like going to see therapists going to see counselors psychiatrists, psychologists, 
Um, and then again, like that being taboo still within our culture. And that's, that's a whole topic for a whole different day. But yeah, I love, I love touching on the fact that sometimes it's not your family that will support you, but it's the tribe that you have to make yourself. And if that's a tight knit community, then, then that's what it is. It doesn't have to be this big gigantic of like, oh, support system. And then that's another thing, right? Is, is you have different community members for different things. So even within your own internal community, like you were saying, you know who you can go ahead and let minimal detail know, and then who you want to get into it a little more close and personal. And then this is, this is, you know, every, it's an individual journey. So you're going to, it's through trial and error. And like you were saying, some people you saw were more responsive than others. So now you know that you can rely on them a little more when, you know, your PMDD is, is up and running <laughs> for the three out of the four weeks. Gabby, as we know, you're an entrepreneur. You have your own podcast. Your podcast is amazing. Um, I was a guest on it and I was super, super excited to be part of it and share my insights and my information. But as you know, right, being an entrepreneur, you wear the hats of many, right? The accountant hat, the HR hat, social media hat, uh, CEO, the list goes on and on. Because, I mean, now you're at stage, um, the, the least stage of PMDD. And obviously there was a lot of work to get from the most severe stage to the least severe stage of PMDD. But how do you, as a business owner, who's a thriving business owner, how do you gauge and how do you manage your business with having a chronic illness? Well, thank you for the compliment, first of all, I try. <laughs> That's the answer, y'all, is just try. <laughs> yeah, so to give a bit more information than that, because I hate it when Guru says, like, yeah, just keep trying, you'll get it, blah, blah, blah. It's more, yeah, it's more than that. So first things first is I'm going to quote this book that I have again, because this was like a very big stress relief that I had. Uh, this book that I, I will tell you the name of it later, you guys, but it says, although there may be problems at work, the problems are usually in the realm of work relationships. The work itself doesn't suffer. Ooh. So, yeah, I know Ooh. there are certain, that's like, a oh, Wait, okay, so you, my work you, isn't bad. <laughs> can you just repeat that line? Because we do have entrepreneurs that listen to this. And I think that we just need to hear that one more time because that's such great information. Yeah, this is very important. And I it also helped me to get out of a lot of spirals because I know that's not the issue. It says, although there may be problems at work, the problems are usually in the realm of work relationships. The work itself doesn't suffer. So it's mm -hmm. not that you're like, oh, my work is so bad this week. Blah, blah. It's just you can't stand to be around people this week. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so... What I do when I'm, I know the PMDD week is coming, which is kind of hard to predict because the PCOS also gives you irregular mm. periods. So sometimes I've, I have a bit more under control. Like before I used to have like period every two months. Now it's like every 30 to 45 days. So it's a little bit better. Okay. Um, but if I know I'm like a week, a week and a half out before my period, I will make sure that my work takes priority. I'm not going to any parties. I'm not taking any like random, hey, can I come over today? No, I can't deal with any extra stuff right now. So I love you, but not this week. <laughs> so you just have to be able to prioritize uh, what really needs to be done that week. It might even be like, you know what? I need to do something with my taxes or accounting does it have to be this week? Can you push it to next week? Because you're also having brain fog. You don't need to be dealing with that right now. Mm -hmm. So if it's something that has to be absolutely done this week, prioritize it and clear everything else from your schedule. Mm -hmm. I think also, um, and then, because I, I use this, I don't know if you do, but like using CRMs and starting to use automated systems, you know, like, and, and they have different platforms. Um, and so, right, like business owners use, I know some of them use HoneyBook, others use Asana, um, and the list can go on. But if you already have your emails program to go out to your clients at certain times on a certain day, and you get all of that done when you can focus, right? Because I like, I know when I'm having a good week because of productivity, 
will not switch off. Like there are times and, and trust me, I'm all about work-life balance, but there are just some days where like, I can go 10, 13 hours and I won't feel it. I'm just like, oh, this is like production vomit just coming out, out, out. I ride that wave. I ride it because I know what's coming up. And during that time, I'm not even going to be able to get out of bed. And like, I, I know that my PMDD is getting better with the different resources and tools that I've done, which we'll get into later in this episode. But like just being able to acknowledge that, that like there's going to be two days where I'm laying in bed and I'm not going to do anything other than sleep. So if I'm being creative and productive for 13, 14 hours a day, like I'm just going to ride this wave and I'm going to make sure that all of my systems are automated. That way I can be as up to date as I possibly can. Um, But then also like your clients, like you have to have when you were talking about the relationship, it's like having clients that know one that you have this and two are like very understanding. I know that's, that's also where it shines because it's a two way street. You know, they also understand you're a human being. They understand that you have a chronic illness and they understand like, you know what, I'm not going to be able to reach her for like two or three days, but that's cool. I know she's good. My stuff has been either it's going to get, um, touched upon or it has already been delivered to me all we need to do are make edits um how does that how how does that work with you and and your clients yeah so if it's like a one-off client it doesn't have to be a big song and dance you guys it's just um you you can let them know i've started talking about my chronic illnesses on linkedin a little bit Mm -hmm. and sometimes on tiktok as well um but the main thing is just to let them know and also build a buffer time into the deadline that you set with the client. Mm-hmm. If you know, okay, this is coming, then you can be like, okay, I, I know I could probably finish it by this day, but let me build in a little bit of trouble time. That could be like a, between hours and days or weeks, depending on what the project is. That's mm-hmm. always good to have anyway, but especially if you have an unpredictable disease. <laughs> yeah. So um, that really helps. Uh, like you said, CRM, I use Airtable because I can... Uh, very specifically change it the way that I want it to be. It's mm-hmm. very customizable. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would I say? And just also knowing that what everybody else is doing, you don't necessarily have to do. There are mm-hmm. people who post every single day, twice a day. And if you're not feeling it or you can't keep up that pace, even during the weeks when you don't feel good, you shouldn't be doing that. I think some people forget when they see people that are posting that often, there's either one of two things happening. Either one, that person has a team or two, they don't have a life outside of their posting. (laughs) And then maybe like four or five months down the road, sometimes even earlier than that, they'll just disappear. And then maybe two or three months later, then they'll have a post and be like, hey, everybody, I haven't been around because... I had a stroke or I burnt out and now I'm back, but I'm not doing as much as before. But we just look at the beginning where they were there all the time, everywhere, all the time. But you don't look at cause and effect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We all need to use social media for our businesses. Yes. But it needs to be at a pace where we can actually maintain it. Mm. So for me, I don't post every day. I post maybe like three times a week on LinkedIn okay. and on TikTok, maybe also three times a week on Instagram. I only post when I'm like releasing a new episode for myself or a client, because I'm just like between all of the back end admin as an entrepreneur and actually getting work done. That's what I have time to tell you guys about. So I'm not going to be everywhere all at once. I'm not Oprah that has a team of people <laughs> just taking pictures of her pictures of her and then like writing up captions and stuff so yeah just realize you're you in whatever town that you're living in you're not oprah you're not uh the spanx lady you're not <laughs> Seth golden you don't have to be everywhere all at once um i love uh thank you for reminding us i love that because i think we do get fed in and caught up into that realm of productivity, productivity, productivity. And if I'm resting, like, 
let me just let me just lay right like i'm gonna just lay on this couch but also grab the phone and like start being productive editing reels on here and it's like no like it's sit on the damn couch for a good 15 minutes like put it all away enjoy the water hydrate it's okay it's okay to be human it's okay to take breaks it's okay to rest especially with a chronic illness you need to rest and i know that that was a pretty big challenge for me in the beginning um to be able to do rest and not feel guilty about it because i wasn't like these gurus out here right spitting out all of these reels and then that's another thing right you're like oh wait uh fomo it's it's reels now and it's not just stock photos or it's right video and not this and it's just like like you were saying do what feels good to you you're the human being you just told us how much you post per platform which any guru would be like, Gabby, are you insane? Like, not enough. <laughs> We're good. Not the only place where you talk to people. Sometimes you're working with a client and they tell other people about you or they have a, a guest and you're like, hey, I really loved editing that that uh, conversation that you had with so-and-so. It was really interesting. And then you meet people by being a human in real life. Mm. But just to give you an illustration about the the importance of rest, Usually we think rest when you get to zero, but you have to stop before that. So yes. just just imagine that you are a cell phone. Your body is a cell phone. So if you have a chronic illness, your battery is already damaged. You have to consider that, number one. But if you wait until your phone gets to zero, your body gets to zero and shuts down. You know how when you plug your phone back into the charger but it is it's at zero and sometimes it won't even turn on for a little bit because it's trying to get back to square one <laughs> yes. and then when it finally does turn back on for like five or ten minutes it's like where am i what are my what are we doing blah blah <laughs> putting your password again manually your face recognition doesn't work yes exactly yeah <laughs> if you're doing that to your body where you're pushing 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 this is why I don't like the term work-life balance because it makes it seem like they're two separate things. Work is a part of your life. Mm -hmm. That's part of your life, one piece of it. So you have to balance it with all the other stuff that's going on in your life. If you're pushing, 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 Ooh, mm -hmm. and then you get to zero in your real life and you have a chronic illness in your real life and you finally decide to slow down, then it's going to take you a while to get from negative back to square one again. And then once you're at square one, then that five or 10 minutes that it takes the phone to chill out might be five or 10 days for you. So you don't want to have to be going through that all the time, all that wow, roller coaster stuff. If you're feeling like, mm, I'm not that good, you only have to take the whole day. You just take a couple hours and do nothing. You just sit on the couch, no Netflix, no book, just water, look out the window, do nothing. Take a nap, order some food, do what you got to do. Just do something where you're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> do nothing, y'all. That's what Gabby is telling us. Do nothing. And again, we both acknowledge that it's a lot harder than than, than it sounds and it takes practice. But um, in, and in the beginning, it's going to feel very uncomfortable. I know it did for me. That's the why guilt. I, yes, like, the guilt. I should be doing something right now. No. <laughs> no, as you're it's a chronic illness. Your body needs the rest. Um, because I, you know what? I never thought about it in, the, in that analogy. And I love that you shared that analogy with us. Like, we are already a, a bit damaged. We're different. It, it, you know, whether you want to call it damaged or not, it's just our bodies work very different than what quote unquote nor normal bodies work. And so we have to adapt for ourselves. Now, Gabby, setting, you know, having said all that, obviously there's always, whether you want to call it a little hiccup or a bump on the road, um, shit happens, right? So if, was there a time when your chronic illnesses had you um, come to a bump in that road, right? Whether it was missing a deadline or having to reschedule a meeting, how, how did you feel about that whole experience afterwards? Um, and how did you embrace that of, of not, of not being able to show up? Right. Uh, well, I would say that happened to me last year because mm -hmm. I was starting to feel better. Mm -hmm. And 
instead of just embracing, oh, I feel, feel much better now, I just went full throttle, like turbo everything for the first six months of 2022. Mm -hmm. And no, no, I'm sorry, the last six months of 2021. Okay. And I, I was doing my podcast, but I was posting every day. I was doing a whole bunch of reels. I was making like a whole bunch of clips, blah, 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 trying to make stuff fancy. And just also, it was a, a lot. I, there were some times where I was like recording two interviews in a day, which don't do that, side mm. point. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's but a lot the, of energy. Yeah, but then the, the first six months of 2022, I just went radio silent. I didn't post anything anywhere. I just did my work in the background. I didn't do nothing. Mm -hmm. And I felt horrible. I was like, I was like, I should be doing something, but I just don't have any mental energy to come up with anything interesting to say or mm -hmm. make a graphic or whatever. Cause I was thinking if I start again, I have to go full throttle again. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I, I started talking with my support system, my husband, my dad, a few other friends. They're like, well, we like what you're making, but if, if you feel like you can't do it as much as before, then do it as much as you can. So now my goal is just make sure that my audience, my clever hybrids hear from me at least once a week. That's mm -hmm. like the, the bare minimum because it's like if, if you set these unrealistic expectations yeah maybe you might be able to hold it for a while but even even olympic athletes can overtrain mm. so it's like if you're overdoing it eventually it will catch up with you so you just need to find a cadence that you can commit to and continue with and I think being able to give yourself grace while you're finding that that middle point, right? Because I'm pretty sure once you were once you did start talking to your support system, they didn't decide like, oh, just once a week Gabby's gonna show up or two or three times. That's even within with within your capacity with you knowing your capacity and it being different at different times. So giving yourself some grace while figuring that out. Right. And even you have to take into account because work is part of your life. Do you have other stuff going on? Are you doing mm -hmm. volunteering? Are you helping your family with other stuff? Are you in a particularly stressful situation right now? Like um, I do volunteer work on the weekend. So on Monday, I just get my stuff done. I send out my invoices. I do some editing and things, but I don't have any more brain space to be posting something. And because I've been pushing with all the editing and invoicing and maybe even sometimes some tax accounting on Monday, then on Tuesday, I do nothing. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's just for reading or going outside or doing whatever. The, the bulk of my work that I do is Wednesday to Friday, a little bit longer days, maybe like nine or 10 hours on those days. Mm -hmm. But it, it helps me to just conserve my energy properly. Because we're freelancers, you can decide when you're going to work. So if eight to five doesn't work for you, like because of the PMDD, I kind of center myself in the morning, do some reading, eat my breakfast slowly, no rush. I usually start working, working around like 10. And then yeah. I might be wor working, have like a lunch break of like an hour or so, but I'm working from like 10 to 10. Mm -hmm. And just, that's the way I manage it. If you're more of a morning person or a night person, if you're a freelancer, you can adjust to what works for your, your internal clock. And, and again, I think we forget that because, again, you have different gurus, right? If you don't wake up at 5 a.m., who are you? If you're not taking a cold <laughs> bath, who are you? Um, if you're not reading... Business insider at 5 a.m. with like some kind of caffeinated drink while you're on the treadmill in the icebox. Who are you? <laughs> and so you kind of almost get pressured into thinking like, oh, wait, so am I even an entrepreneur? Like maybe I should get up. And, and I did that. I'm not going to like being very honest with you. Right. I did the whole let me wake up at five. And then I started noticing that I was hitting snooze way too long. I was like, OK, then let's do six. And I've noticed that. I am not a morning person. Like I like to wake up in the morning. Like I don't mind waking up early, 
but it takes me a while to start my day. So that's when I'll do right. Like I'll wake up early, but I'll do the laundry or I'll start cleaning. And then so, so now, because like, as you were saying, work is just a part of your everyday life. Like you still got to cook, you still got to clean, you still got to, you got to manage your home. So mm-hmm. just being able to know that about yourself, like I, congratulations on being able to find your path and your niche and what works for you. I've also learned that morning kind of like yourself, like how you're saying, like, you know, you take it very slow. And like, I have to do tasks where I don't have to think because sometimes I do end work a little later. Um, and I might still be a little brain tired or a little brain fog. So, and it's, and, and like you were saying, it's not, um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Like it's, it's okay. I, you know, it's okay. Try the ice cool bath, but you don't got to do it every day. <laughs> or like, you know, this whole, this whole 5am thing, I tried it and I was like, no, like this is not, not all entrepreneurs are made like this. So please stop pressuring me into thinking that they're all made like this. Yeah. It's nice. It's just the way that social is where we're seeing everybody's highlight reels, but it's social is also mostly for extroverts. Hmm. So for extroverts that are like, yeah, I got to try everything, do everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then us introverts are like, maybe I should be more like that. But when you're an introvert, you also have your own strengths. You're yeah. able to just process things a little bit more before you say something. Um, you might even be a little bit more sensitive, more empathetic towards other people. Yes. So... It's just, you have to embrace that. It's like, okay, that works for you. That is great. I'm not hating. Yes. Que le vaya bien. I'm not <laughs> hating. <laughs> but if it doesn't work for me, no tengo que, que sentir vergüenza. I don't have to feel shame if that didn't work for me. If I tried it and it's like, no, then you don't have to do it again. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And like, don't feel bad. Like you're saying like, kudos to you. That's great for you. I'm glad that this is how you're guiding other entrepreneurs, you know, how to make their next million or or how to reach six figures in like three months. That's great. But that's not my path. And it's okay for not to be my path. And so maybe, um, and maybe we could talk about this, but like creating more content for like introverts, like it's okay to start as there's like 10 a.m. It's okay to take the, the hour break. It's okay to take it slow in the morning um, and do other things because I I am there with you. Um, Gabby, I'm glad that you are navigating both of your chronic illnesses um, on a daily. I'm glad that you were able to find different resources and tools that were able to help you get out of the most severe PMDD stage to now the least um, stage of PMDD. What are some resources, you know, whether it's podcasts, different, um, websites, different influencers that you follow that can, can help our listeners guide them through either their PMDD journey or finally being diagnosed with PMDD and then giving them kind of like a starter kit? Well, first of all, I just want to say, I really wish there were more doctors of color that we're talking about this, but the few books that I have found are really good. Um, okay. Especially this one, the one that I've been quoting today, it's called The PMDD Phenomenon by Diana Dell. She's a doctor who specializes in psychiatry and OBGYN, so lady doctor uh, mm-hmm. at Duke Medical Center. And her book goes through what is PMDD, what are some of the symptoms, and some of the different treatments. So it's not all medicine. Some of it is lifestyle changes. Some of it is also realizing that uh, fall and winter are very difficult for someone with PMDD. I know. Oh, that's um, sure. Yeah. October to March are very difficult for us because of the less sunlight. So we also need to have like a special LED light sometimes. You know what? Yes. I actually had one of my, um, one of my peers in my support group he ended up sending me one. And this is before we found out I had PMDD. He was like, oh, I think you have seasonal depression. And so I'm just going to send this to you. And it helps. It helps a lot. But um, I didn't yeah, know. You wouldn't, that- know. You wouldn't think it would help just to sit in front of a light bulb. But your body just needs that that something to mimic the sunlight yeah. during those months. Um, so that's very important. I will, because everyone has it differently, just like with chronic illnesses, 
that's one thing that kind of blows doctors' minds because some of them are very left brain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they're like, it doesn't fit this checklist of symptoms, then you don't have it. But right. there, a lot of us can check some of the boxes, but not all of them because everyone has it differently. Correct. Um, so this other book that I recommend, it's called The Hormone Balance Bible by Sean Tassone. I He's also a doctor. I think that's how you say it. Uh, but it talks about different categories and different combinations of symptoms so that you can figure out, okay, yeah, that's me, or this is me, or yeah, mm -hmm. this is this fits the symptoms that I'm having because not everyone has the same combination and Correct. each combination has a different combination treatment that goes with it. Not everybody needs medicine. Not everybody needs the light. Some people just need to change their exercise and diet. So it's something that you have to deal with. Um, there's another resource that is for cognitive behavioral therapy that's okay. available in English and Spanish. Uh, so this is a web app. It's actually from a, a startup or a small company in, in Mexico, in Monterey. Oh, nice. And it's called wiz.coach. So oh. it's like a chat bot that you can talk to in English or Spanish, and you can tell it how you're feeling, and it will give you some suggestions. Be like, okay, this is a breathing exercise, or maybe you're feeling this way because of this. It's a very good thing. I actually did. I interviewed one of the... Um, executives for that company twice on my podcast because she's so interesting but this web app is very helpful just to talk through your symptoms and one thing that I wish someone had told me when I found that I had a chronic illness is it's also a sense of grief so you you do need to see a specialist like a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is Psychologists will help you with different therapies and listening to you and everything. A psychiatrist can actually prescribe medicine. Mm -hmm. That's the major difference. Um, but also make sure that you're not just going to your PCP or if your PCP is, is um, working with you, make sure they do some blood work on you also. There might mm -hmm. be some other hormone balances that are not visible to the naked eye, but blood don't lie. If you got an issue, <laughs> then they'll be able to see. Even if, like um, this, the hormone balance Bible guy said, there there are a lot of situations where you're still within the normal range, mm -hmm. but you're either really low in the normal range or really high. And yes. most doctors are like, oh, they're still in the normal range, but a really astute doctor will be like, something is a little off here. Let's investigate. And that's also something, if you have a doctor that you don't like, you can get another doctor. Like I've been here in Germany for about four years. And I think at that time I've had three or four different OBGYNs. The one I have now, I really like him. Mm -hmm. But the few that I had before, they were like, ah, those are the people who told me you're young, it's fine. Yeah. And I, I, because of the situation I had, a a lot of problems losing weight and everything, just diet and exercise, diet and exercise. And like, I've been doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing that my whole life. Doesn't work. Like what else? Tell me something different. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the diet and exercise don't work, but it's like the generic, like eat less, move more. Yeah. Don't work. If you have a hormone imbalance, there might exactly. be certain foods that you need to stop eating completely, but you won't know which ones until you get your blood work done. No, it's, it's so true. And, um, and then different deficiencies, right? So there might be, as you were saying, like the whole eat less, work out more. I'm so against it because of the fact that I know the different uh, vitamin deficiencies that I have in my system, like that definitely plays a role in, and it affects my PMDD experience a, a lot more different than like, let's say how you would. And I kind of just want to make that very clear to, you know, our listeners and our viewers that once you do have the diagnose, you know, and, and your doctors, you know, give you their recommendation, mine was put her on an antidepressant and put her on birth control simultaneously, knowing that I had never been on any, um, I think was just, I mean, that's just careless, if you ask me. But I decided to opt out of both, because I decided that I wanted to try a more holistic approach, try, um, read up, do some research, see, see, you know, what foods 
I actually did get blood work done to see if there was something more um, that, that might be able to alleviate some of the pain and doing a lot of um, therapy. I think just being able to talk it out with someone who is supportive and someone who is showing up for me and being like a great champion for me. And I'm not saying, you know, that, that you, that people don't need to take the Western route. I'm just saying like, you know yourself more than anyone knows yourself. And so if you want to take a combination of the two, right, holistic and medication, that's okay. Like, don't feel ashamed if you do or do not decide to take certain routes. This is your chronic illness and this is your journey. So this is going to be something that you're going to be dealing with for a very, very long time in your life. I got told by my PCP that it's going to be something that I'm going to deal with until I um, get menopause. So this is this is still a wild journey for me, y'all. Um, and then same thing with Gabby. So no, this is you again. Like I just want to stress that that this is your journey, and you know maybe seven years, three years down the line, I'll decide. You know what? I, I do need to be on some type of medication. This is becoming too much for me. But right now, because I'm learning different tools, resources. You know, having you now in my pocket, Gabby, like you shared a book with me right off the bat when we first met one another. And it's like, this is good for me now. I'm not saying I'm not going to need the help, but I also didn't like the fact that I was that I felt that I was being forced into it. Yeah. Just going back again to that phone illustration. If say, for example, you are going to get your phone checked out and the salesperson says, oh, you need a new phone. But you're like, wait, wait, this one is fine. What do you? What are you talking about? It might just be that you need to change something in your settings or delete an app that's using a whole bunch of your battery or whatever. So that that's how it is with your life. If you have maybe a, a toxic relationship or something that's taken a lot of your time, you might just need to cut that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's an update coming in your life where you learn something new. Now you know about these books that will yeah. help you to just manage a little bit better not saying you'll never have to replace your phone because right. of course with, with time, things will have to change. Um, especially once you start to get into perimenopause, that period where you're switching from having a regular period to not having a period at all, that's gonna be a big hormone shift. So we're not saying you don't have to change, you have to periodically look at what's still working and what's not working for you. but. Mm -hmm before you go full on, okay, surgery and yes, that's and like pharma good. stuff, then mm -hmm. you wanna have considered everything else. Are you eating right? Are you moving enough for your body? Have you already dealt with maybe thought patterns that always send you into a downward spiral? There's a lot you can deal with without going straight to a pill. The pills yeah. are very helpful but you sh shouldn't use that as your first option necessarily. Yeah. Um, I like, I knew that that wasn't going to be my first option and that's what I've been being told for 20 years, right? Get on the, get on the BC, get on the BC. And it's like, yo, if I didn't take birth control back then, like I'm not going to take it now. Um, and so, yeah, just not feeling guilty. Don't feel ashamed of, of either route you take. Again, this is your route. So, you know, you, you know, what's best for you. And just putting in the time to do the research for yourself, because the only person that you're benefiting of being able to alleviate some of the, this pain is yourself and doing the research. And I, and I will say, um, Gabby, with being able to like do some research and the whole thing of awareness, right? Like once I started doing the downward spiraling thing, I'm like, oh, wait, this isn't me. This is the PMDD and being able to identify and be aware. Um, the same thing with the emptiness of like, Oh, let me look at my let me look at my period calendar. Oh, I'm in this phase. I know that this isn't me. This is my chronic illness. Okay. So again, like you were saying, just like being aware and being heightened on that definitely goes a long way. Gabby, we have came to time. Thank you so much for all of your insight, all of your um, expertise on this matter. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. Um and realizing that we're multidimensional humans. And just because you have PMDD doesn't mean that you don't have PCOS, which doesn't mean that you don't have other chronic illnesses or conditions. So I just want to thank you for being authentically you and being an amazing human being and showing up 
um, for making leader moves. How can our listeners and viewers follow you and see what else you're up to and hear your podcast? Well, yeah, right now I have my podcast, Clever Hybrids, where we, as we mentioned before, we interview bilingual people from all over the world. Just to let everybody know that being bilingual, bicultural is an asset, not a liability. So on, on almost every social media, we're at Clever Hybrids. So you can find us as that on TikTok. We're also that on LinkedIn and YouTube. My Instagram, I don't really use that much anymore. It's just at Gabby.VanHorn. You can also find me on LinkedIn as Gabby Van Horn, just to hear uh, some of the clips from the podcast or even see my posts about chronic illness and other stuff that I get up to in Germany. It's weird being an immigrant sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> those are the places where you can find me. But yeah, I, I look forward to people reaching out. I hope that the resources and just little mindset shifts that we shared with you today help make your journey a little bit easier than ours was. The more information we share, then it just makes the, the point of entry a little bit closer for the next person. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much about education, as you were saying, and just making people aware there's no reason why human beings that do get a period should have to wait 20 years to finally be diagnosed. There's no reason why you should have had to wait for 10 years. And so my, my hope is that, you know, when listeners hear this, whether it's them, whether it's their cousin, whether it's their sister, whether it's their BFF that has this, they're like, wait a minute, this sounds very familiar. This sounds like some, some symptoms you might have. Let's look into it. Um, so just creating that. And so again, just thank you so much for all the time for your time. And then the gemstones that you've dropped everyone. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you on the next episode, but before we leave, please don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Cinco estrellitas, por favor. Um, and if you would like, we have a community on Facebook, and then you can also follow us on Instagram at Making Leader Moves. I will catch you on the next episodio. Mucho abrazos, cariño y carisma familia. Chao.